Father, we bless you for giving us yet another opportunity to open the word of God. Of a truth, O Lord God, you've already begun speaking unto each one of us. As we began confirming and affirming the songs into our lives. That your love drives away all fear. Father, thank you for what you're about to do in our lives. For we know for sure that this is a transformation. Lord, we give you praise as you continue your work in and through us. Thank you, Lord, for as many as as many as have one form of fear or the other, because you are going to drive it away tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, and then that are in indecision, Lord, there would be a decision coming forth from you in Jesus' name. Amen. God, we also thank you for the continuous study of your word, which comes from this pulpit. Of a truth, none of us have strength on our own. And spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Therefore, if we have anything, we have you to give credit to. Blessed be your name, O Lord God. As we look once more into your word, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts will be pleasing in your sight in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The message began long before the message actually begins. Because the word of God has been clear unto us through the, through the songs that we sang this day. And one of the songs that we sang was Fear not, for I am with you. Now, I have a personal testimony. Now, I refrain from giving personal testimonies, lest it sounds like boasting, but at the end of the testimony, you will know that it was not so much of a boasting. When I was in school, uh, they usually asked the, the students to come together and join for extemporaneous preaching. If you see me standing today over here, it's purely by the grace of God. Because uh, at the end of the story, you would know why. And I bravely gave my name for extemporaneous preaching. And if you've been there, it means that 15 minutes before the actual speech, you will be given the topic. And then for 15 minutes, you would have to read through the topic or quickly uh, refresh your mind on, on the subject, and then you get up on stage, and then you go. So I was heading my group, as it were. That you go yellow, blue, green group, or you have uh, rose, tulip, etc., etc. Now I was in my group, and uh, unfortunate for my group, it was me, uh, because I picked up the the topic. I 
don't remember what it was, and quickly went into a corner of the study class and started reading my notes on this. And I come up on stage, and I'm there standing in front of people, of students. Suddenly my knees feel like jelly. And then I go, respected teachers, judges, and my dear friends. And then there is silence. <laughs> and what seemed like eternity was actually half a minute. After that, I said, thank you, and walked away. <laughs> That's known as a sudden seizure of weak knees. So if I get to address 100 people over here, it's purely by the grace of God. We saw Abram, if you remember in Jan. Oh, you're still in Abram, is it? How long will it take to get to Revelation? Don't worry, we'll get there. You're still in, I'm still with Abram. If you were with me in Jan, we left Abram somewhere in the plains of Bethel. Abram was on the top of his spiritual life. That was Genesis chapter 12. And now we begin to look at Abram suffering a sudden seizure of weak knees. Now the title of this message, if you so will, if you want to scribble on top of your notes, it's Why Saints Choose to Go to Egypt. Why Saints Choose to Go to Egypt. And we'd be looking at Genesis chapter 12, beginning from verse 10 onwards. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Why did thou not tell me that she was thy wife 
Why sayest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hear, unto the place of the altar which he had made, there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Let's bow down once more to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, teach us from this word what you want us to know and affirm your word into our hearts. But this we also pray that we remain not hearers, but doers of your word as well lest we be found deceiving ourselves by hearing alone. God, we pray that the Spirit of God would bring applications into our hearts and into our lives in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you want to change this? I could use that. Sorry. Romeo says we could try. So until we get it perfect, we're going to try. I don't know why they call it practice when doctors treat patients. I don't know when they'll get perfect with all apologies to doctors. Abram suffered weak knees. C.S. Lewis writes in Screwtape Letters, The safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gradual slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. The man who was on top of Bethel, when we last saw him, now descends unto Egypt. Therefore, the question is, why do saints go to Egypt? Now, before you throw rocks at Abram, ask yourself the question. Have I been to Egypt lately? When was the last time that I remained at Bethel when the storms came? Or was I quick to pack my bags? and get to Egypt. Therefore, basically we ask ourselves, we see this passage in two, we divide it into two. First one is the cause of the failure, and two, the consequences of the failure. Cause of the failure. Basically, you're asking yourself the question, why did Abram get to Egypt? That's cause of the failure. And after he got to Egypt, what 
happened there. Therefore, causing a saint to lose grip on faith is because, number one, he loses his sight of God. We know what's happening around us. I don't know if any of us have got our bags packed. I hope not. Because the Bible says that it is He who has brought us here and He will plant our feet on the rock that is higher than I in Jesus' name. Therefore, what is happening around us is good reason to lose faith. Weak faith cannot please God. Weak faith can never please God. We heard messages about hell, but why do saints end up in hell? If you didn't know, hell is going to be populated by religious people. 80% of hell would be people who, quote-unquote, knew their Bibles. If you want proof, you could go and read Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 onwards. Because there are many magicians, miracle workers, preachers, probably. As Pastor Monima was saying, there was someone looking for his pastor in hell. Quite a predicament, huh? And there would be lots of preaching as well in hell, apart from screaming. Therefore, first thing, weak faith does not serve the purpose of God. Because the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Weak faith cannot stand great trials. You see, trials come unto us at the end of a triumph. We'll see that it is for the first time in the Bible that Abram speaks in Genesis chapter 12. And the first words that come out of his mouth are words of fear. Genesis chapter 12 is the first time Abram speaks. Amy Carmichael, the missionary to India, said, Life can be difficult. Sometimes the enemy comes in like a flood. But then is the time to prove our faith and to sing our songs. We are tested when we stand on the mountain of faith, whether we would descend down into the valley of unbelief. Weak faith cannot hold on to the promises of God. Absolutely no way that weak faith can obtain blessings from the Lord. There was a whole army fighting the Philistines. Every day there would come a giant out of the army of the Philistines and he would taunt the army of Israel. And this went on for 40 days. And there came a young lad. He was carrying some victuals for his brothers. And he overheard what the giant was saying. And it surprised him that no one moved. And he said that I'm going to fight. That's strong faith. But weak faith does not obtain promises from God. 
Let's ask ourselves the question, then what prompts weak faith? What made Abram walk down from Bethel unto Egypt? The ninth verse of Genesis 12 says, And Abram journeyed, going down on still towards the south. Verse 8 says that he pitched his tent in Bethel. Verse 9 says he kept moving. Even though verse 7 says the Lord appeared unto him and said, This is the land that I am going to give you. Number one, Abram refused to look at God through the circumstances. Usually we look at the circumstances without God in the equation. Tell me something, was the famine real? Was the famine real? You think so? Read verse 10 with me once more. And there was a famine in the land, and the famine was grievous in the land. Once again, do you think there was a famine? Yes. Do you think there were giants in Numbers chapter 13? Do you think the giants were real? Yes. When Peter stepped out of the boat, was the wave real? Yes. The situation is real. What prompts weak faith is refusing to see God in the situation. And we always say in, uh, when we teach the children and even in our preachings we are ready to throw rocks at Peter and say that Peter stepped out of the boat and immediately when he saw the waves he began sinking. Let's put the rocks away for a while. How many of us have removed our eyes from God when the situation became difficult? And we said, God, you are big enough for the big things of life, but these are my daily things. Salvation is a big thing. Like there was a husband and a wife, and there was someone who came and interviewed and said, and asked the husband, so who makes decisions at home? So the husband bravely said that all the small decisions my wife makes, and I make the big ones. The wives are smiling. So the interviewer was a smart fellow. He pushed the question a little further and he said, examples of big and small decisions, he said, small decisions would be Uh, Where will we settle down in life? Uh, Who will do the investments? Uh, uh, Where does, who gets to spend how much of the salary? These are the big, these are the small decisions. And the big ones, aha, those are the ones that I make. And those are, who should be the president of US? Who should stop the war in, uh, in Palestine? Those decisions I get to make. The point is, Do you get to make the decisions in your life or does the word of God get to make the decisions? Basically, there are three pointers or three guides in our life. Number one, the word of God. Number two, circumstances. And number three, that will be situations and situational ethics. 
Number one would be the word of God. Does the word of God make the final decision in your life? Or does the situation make the final decision in your life? The famine was real. Abram was in the midst of a famine. And what causes a saint to lose faith is when he looks at the circumstances without God in the midst of the circumstance. Abram began to question God's promise. Abram began to wonder, is this really God's plan now here for me? Did I really hear from God? Now three things, three challenges that Abram could have had is one, he could have challenged the promise of God. Number two, he could have challenged the provision of God. Three, he could have challenged the will of God. And these challenges are what prompts Abram to move away from the place of promise. I tell you, you and I cannot obtain blessings from the Lord once we move away from God's appointed place. Weak knees are a result of having a small God. If you have a small God, you have all the right to be afraid. Therefore, you could not say with the psalmist, even though the mountain be uprooted and cast into the sea, yet my heart will not fear. But if you have a big God, go ahead and say that. And the Lord would sustain your faith in the name of Jesus. The twelve spies saw the giant, including Joshua and Caleb. You believe that? They also saw the giants. We also saw the uprising. We know what's happening. But what makes us smile? It's when we see the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills in the situation. Therefore, Abram questioned God's promise by acting in unbelief. Peter says that your trials is far more worth than pure gold. Who gets to make the decisions? Is it circumstances? There's something else that prompts us to make decisions and this is what prompted Abram to make the decision and that is self-preservation. A very dangerous thing. The number one enemy of salvation is self-salvation. Where you and I try to save ourselves by our own strength. We get into situations where God cannot bless us because we've been there because of our own self-salvation efforts. The word of God helps us to make decisions. Circumstances could help us. The third one would be situational ethics or self-preservation. Self-preservation is of the type when you would say, the Lord understands. You've heard that one before, right? I did this because. I did that because. I want to help you by looking at God's word 
by saying that there is a place of great faith even among the birds. There were two sparrows sitting on the tree outside the Bread of Life Fellowship main hall. And one sparrow was looking at the other as believers from the Bread of Life were going out. And they were looking at each other. And one sparrow asked the other, Why do you think these believers are sad? So the other sparrow replied, Maybe they don't have a father like we do. Before you smile, please think through that parable. Worry is a leaven that the devil is pushing into our church today. One of the major research that is happening right now in the automobile industry is to get the triangular hazard sign closest to the right hand if it is a left hand drive. So that in the event that you have to jam your brakes, you could reach that light in nanoseconds. In our Christian life, where is your panic button? Is it close or is it far? I don't know if you've driven a Maruti car in India. It's very difficult to get to that switch. There's a steering wheel and just you have to put your hand between the wheel and there's a small knob over there. By that time, the reason why you need to push that is already over. But if you see, most of your cars will have it very close. Imagine if it was on that side. You're like, hey, wifey, please jam that. It's very close. Let me ask you. Where is your panic button in life? If we were asked to come for a midweek service and there was a crisis in office, now crisis in terms of not the crisis that happened over the past few weeks, but there was some work in office. It all depends on what work is. What do we consider as more important? Jesus was looking around to his disciples and he was asking, Who of you can by worrying gain height? I'm just paraphrasing. So one looks at the other and says, Not me. Okay. Who of you can turn your white hair into black? Well, now it sounds quite easy because of technology, but uh, in Jesus' times, let's just hope that there was... Let's pretend that there was nothing to turn the black into white. But who of you can turn wine into another color? Though we have rainbows on the heads right now. The point is, one looked at the other and said, none of us. Jesus looked them in the eye and said, then why do you worry? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And what are these things? All that you need. James says that you ask and you do not receive 
because you ask amiss. You want to spend it on your lust. He says that the reason why you don't get is because you don't need it. Or maybe you don't need it yet. There is a time when you might need it and your father will provide. Therefore, another reason why believers go down to Egypt is because they act in situations and they allow situations to be their guide. Does God care? Of course, God cares. Another reason why believers go to Egypt is because they trust human wisdom. Of course, that is not to despise human wisdom. The intellect is a great gift from God. But the human wisdom cannot override God's wisdom. Who of us thought that a young boy with five round stones can bring down a giant? Who of us thought that an old man lifting up a rod could divide the sea? Who of us thought that when there are plagues all around Egypt, not a plague shall come on Goshen? If you want to see miracles in 2011, we need to believe in the miracle maker. And the reason why we don't believe is because we allow situations to dictate our terms. Famines may come, but God's plan remains. Famines may come and go, but God's plans cannot be destroyed. Losing sight of God is another reason why we do not go to, do not remain in Bethel. God will provide. He is the provider. He has pledged himself with it. If you notice carefully, in nowhere in this passage do you find Abram prayed. If you want to know how popular the preacher is. You should come here on Fridays. If you want to know how popular a church is, you could look at the offerings. If you want to know how popular Jesus is, come here on a Thursday evening, 4.30 to 5.30. I don't want to embarrass you but God knows many of you are not working on Thursdays. Many of us are not working on Thursdays. Let me ask you, if God were to bless you in terms of your prayer, if God were to begin blessing in terms of our Thursday intercession and not Friday attendance, If God were to begin saying, My son, give me one good reason why I should answer your prayers. Abram did not pray. What's the first resource for a Christian? Usually prayer is the last resort for a Christian. Nowadays. We go everywhere 
including church bulletin boards musketchristiansforum.com start a new thread please pray for me there is an uprising in my office and we are all part of twitter probably and you tweet your prayer requests this is not to condemn ask yourself jesus in luke chapter 6 he prayed the whole night and something interesting is that in the morning he came down and what did he do sorry you've read your bibles you could say it louder there are no wrong answers only inspired and uninspired answers so what did he do selected the disciples but before that Luke chapter 6 says he called all his disciples he called all his disciples did not the father tell him who to choose among them he chose 12 how important is prayer in this situation in our life we lose sight of god because we lose sight of his promise and the moment we lose sight of his promise that's because we are not reading his word enough faith goes hand in hand with prayer if you are experiencing weak faith it's because you have not prayed enough now mix worry with unbelief you have a chemical explosion worry and unbelief you pick up the phone and you are all over the place what is happening to christians they are going to egypt for help jeremiah chapter 17 the lord brings two pictures and he says the one that i will bless is the one that is whose heart is stayed upon the lord was five onwards thus said the lord cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the lord for he shall be like the shrub the king james says heath in the desert and he shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places the wilderness but blessed is the man that trusts in the lord whose hope is in the lord for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters spreads his roots by the rivers shall not even experience heat when the heat comes but a leaf shall be green shall not be careful in the year of drought neither shall cease from yielding fruit now the difference between this is because the heart is deceitful above all things it is desperately wicked who can know it i the lord 
search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Abraham said, Sarai, will you lie for me so that I will be alive for, because of you? Because of you, I want to live, Sarai. You see, Sarah, you're a pretty, very pretty lady. She said, well, thank you, Abram. Uh, Sarai, I want to tell you something. While we reach the borders at the checkpoint where the visas are stamped near Egypt, please, could you spread the word? I'm not going to do this. You have to lie for me. Could you spread the word that you are my sister? Unbelief leads others to sin, if you've noted. Please spread the word so that because of you I will be saved. Cursed is the man who trusts in the arm of flesh. Blessed is he who trusts in the everlasting arm. So Sarai, pretty girl, please, you are going to be quite attractive to the Egyptians and the moral standard of the Egyptians is quite low. So please, when you get around the area of Egypt, Spread the word that you are my sister so that I will be safe. Sounds a little selfish, do you think? I don't care what happens to you, Sarai. Basically, the Lord has promised that he is going to multiply. Maybe you're not in that line. God has promised me that he's going to multiply me. I don't know about you. So... Basically, I don't care what happens to you. The Pharaoh could take you into his harem and, well, if that's the case, I'll pray for you. He didn't even say that. Abraham left the place. I want you to see that it downward spiral, as C.S. Lewis puts it. It's not a, a, it's, it's a gentle slope. It's never a quick downhill. We, we learned about the four types of soils. It's not the parable of the sower, because the sower is the same. It's not the parable of the seed, because the seed is the same. It's basically the parable of the soils. You reach the fourth soil, which bears good fruit. But I tell you, you're just one step away from the third soil. You could be allowing thorns and thistles. The soil is perfectly capable of bringing up thorns and also the good seed, mind you. It depends on what type of seed you're putting in the soil. Abram wanted to be preserved because of Sarai. But God's plan cannot be thwarted in the name of Jesus. God's plan for you will not be thwarted in Jesus' name. God swoops down like the hero of this story and he brings a plague. Now that is the consequences. The second part of our study would be the consequences of going to Egypt. Number one, it causes an avalanche of sin. Where did it start? It started in weak faith. Where did it progress to? Number one, lying. Number two, selfishness. Number three, deceit. Abram was going down and he was going down fast. That's the consequences of going to Egypt, mind you. You cannot apply the brakes. 
Somebody else has to stop it for you. Lying is more difficult than telling the truth. Did you know that? Let's just imagine, none of us would do it. Let's just imagine that you begin lying. The difficulty is you have to remember what you lied. And to whom you lied. Because the person who hears gets only one version. He will remember. But you have told ten versions and you might not remember. And the person goes back to his diary and he says, wait a minute, this is not what you said. He says, well, it's more difficult to maintain a lie. And to cover one lie, you have to lie further. Sarai, say that you are my sister. Number one. Number two, I'm giving you a way into an adulterous relationship if that happens. Number three, when the camels and the he-asses and the she-asses and the manservant and the maidservant comes to me, I am not going to feel guilty. I don't know what your price is for your compromise. Abram's price was a bunch of camels. What is your price, brethren? What would you give for trading off your conscience in Egypt? That's a pretty low price, right? Every time a camel walked in through his gate and got parked near his tent. I want you to feel what Abram felt because his wife was no longer with him in his tent. Abram had an avalanche of sins. You cannot stop it. That's because you find Abraham did not build altars in Egypt. There are no altars in Egypt, brethren. There can never be altars in Egypt. You have to come back to Bethel and reconcile with God and there call upon the name of the Lord. There was no record of the Bible saying that this man and he prayed. You won't find that. And Abraham built an altar in Egypt and he called upon the Lord. You won't read that. Because a Christian who lowers his standard loses the passion for Christ. A Christian who lowers his standard to meet his practice. You see, our profession may be here and if our practice is here, sooner or later we bring down our profession and not rise up our practice. That is a human tendency. Therefore, we need the Lord to rise up our practice to the level of our profession. Another consequence of being in Egypt, imagine a believer being thrown out by an unbeliever. Pharaoh majestically walks up to Abram and he asks three questions. Basically the same questions you and I have to ask when we find our feet is moving towards Egypt. He said, 
Why did you lie? Why did you say she is your sister and not your wife? Why did you cause this plague? Abram was supposed to be a blessing. The Bible says that I will bless them that bless you. Through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And here we find Abram bringing a curse. How good is it when a Christian in his office becomes a curse? How good is it when a Christian who should be a blessing becomes a curse? Abram was supposed to be a blessing. And the Pharaoh asked him on his face, Why did you do this? And the end of the chapter we find Abram walking and not talking because he had nothing to say. Imagine an unbeliever showing the believer standards of morality. He said, I would have taken your wife to be my wife. Imagine an unbeliever rebuking or chastising a believer and showing him the standard. Would you want that? Would you really want that? Why do we go to Egypt? Basically for two reasons. Number one, lack of faith. Number two, lack of who God is. We don't know who God is. A God is perfectly able to sustain. You see, at the end of the story, Abram had to go back to Bethel and face the same famine. Pharaoh walks up to Abram and says, Abram, you deceived me. Therefore, get out. That's exactly the words he used over there. If you read Genesis chapter 12, he said that, now, get out. You have caused enough trouble. Imagine an unbeliever rebuking a believer to his face and saying, because of the God that you profess to worship, because of the standards that you have believed that you are part of, get out. Now take your wife and go your way. Verse 20, Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and he said, cancel his visa, send him away. And this man with all the goods that he has got, for some reason Pharaoh does not take it back. He is more righteous than Abram. Pharaoh does not take back the gifts. Maybe the plague. We don't know why. But whatever it is, Abram became more rich, but he had to pay a price. Just like after my school, the day I lost my faith, or the strength to stand in front of a crowd and preach or, and give a speech. All my friends helped me to remember that day. All of Abram's servants would have reminded him of this day in his life when he lost faith. I want you to think, who is big in your life? Who is the one who is number one in your life? Another thing we find, and this time really quickly, Abram was not wearing his belt. But you read that portion and you ask me, I don't find anything about belt. I find that only for John the Baptist. What belt are we talking about? 
We're talking about the belt of truth, brethren. Unless you wear your belt of truth, you will be holding your pajamas in one hand. And if you're holding your pajamas in one hand, either your sword or your shield is missing. And it is the belt of truth unto which the breastplate of righteousness comes and joins. Abram lost his belt of truth. He was rebuked. Consequence, he had to go back, face the same famine, but this time he went and fell upon the altar and he called on the name of the Lord. He could have saved himself a lot of trouble if he had refused to go down to Egypt and believed that God who brought me from the Ur of the Chaldees, who brought me out of Haran, is big enough to sustain me even through the famine. The Lord who brought me from my land, He knew beforehand that in 2011 there is going to be an uprising in Oman. How many of you believe that? Very few of you. This did not catch God by surprise. News for you. Breaking news. The one that scrolls at the bottom of your TV. God was not surprised when your company had an uprising. He was not surprised. He's surprised when you pack your bags. Because Jesus says, O ye of little faith, why were you afraid? Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Precious Father, we thank you. Lord, for your word says that in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Be still and know that I am God. Father, forgive us when we have attempted to go to Egypt when you wanted us to stay in your presence. Your word comforts us and says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life if the Lord is my shepherd and if it is him that I am following. Pardon us, O Lord God, when we have depended on our own strength, on our own wisdom, when we have acted in weak faith, and we, when we have moved away from our Bethel, the place of communion with you, when we have not resorted to prayer of any sort, God, we pray you would forgive us, and you would restore us back unto fellowship. Father, if we have found ourselves in parched and dry lands, if we have depended on the arm of flesh, God, we seek your pardon this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to come back to you and we want to come back and lean upon the everlasting arm, the arm that, that, that cannot fail, the Lord of Jeshurun who says that underneath are everlasting arms, the Lord is my rare God. 
What can man do unto me? I will not be afraid. You have lifted up my head even above my enemies, says the psalmist. God, we thank you for the for the word of God which indeed is our buckle and our belt of truth. Help us to continuously wear that. And we will not be asking the question, what is the expedient thing to do? But we would ask ourselves the question, what is the right thing to do? What is the biblical thing to do in each circumstance? As many of us as are facing weak knees today, I pray, strengthen our loins in the name of Jesus. Girdle about our loin, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, that we may not be found ashamed in the day of reckoning, in Jesus' name. God, you are well aware of what is happening around us. It never caught you by surprise. You know the end from the beginning. But our knowledge is limited. If we have fretted and pushed the panic button, Father, forgive us. And we thank you, Lord, that you intervene in our situations. Even as you intervened in the situation of Abram, that you did not allow his unbelief to thwart your plan for us in the name of Jesus. For it was going to be through the loins of Abram that our Savior would be born. Thank you, Father, that his unbelief was more than overcome by your grace in the name of Jesus. And even our unbelief shall be more than overcome by your grace in Jesus' name. God, you would save us from the ridicule of being chastised by unbelievers in the name of Jesus. Father, that we will not have to hang our head in shame before anyone in Jesus' name. You are the glory and the lifter up of our head, O Lord God. Father, help us to walk victoriously even when the mountains crumble and fall into the ocean in the name of Jesus. Father, we shall not be ashamed. For you are our light that dispels off the darkness. You are our hiding place in times of trouble. Lord, you fill our hearts with a new song that we give glory unto you all the days of our life. Help us to walk upright as children of the Most High God, knowing, O Lord God, that you have pledged to give yourself unto us, that a thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it, that which torments the unbelievers shall not come nigh us in Jesus' name. Father, that in our camp there will be shouts of rejoicing in Jesus' name because of what you are doing in and through us, O Lord. Help us to firmly follow the leader, Jesus Christ, who, co- who counted it worthy to bear the cross and to bear the shame and the pain of separation, even for our sakes. As many as are in the middle of decision, God, I pray that you will help them Make the right decision according to the Bible in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
praise the Lord. Let's just rise up. As we close this afternoon, I just want you to say, I am like Mount Zion. I cannot be removed. I am like Mount Zion. I cannot be removed. Father, we thank you because you have planted us like Mount Zion indeed. And Lord, we cannot be removed. The winds may blow, the storms may rise, but you are above everything. And Lord, in this we are confident that, Lord, we cannot be removed. Blessed be your holy name. Lord, we will go in faith to honor you and to please you throughout this week. Lord, no matter the news we hear, we will trust in you and your name will be glorified. Thank you for your servant that you have used more of your anointing and blessing put upon his life in the name of Jesus. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.